This morning's scripture comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul, in, haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, is it the Lord? When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them, and though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. Now this was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. may be seated. About five years ago, 
I uh, came back from being out of town for several weeks for an annual training event. And, uh, and needless to, to say, um, that week back was, uh, was very difficult. I had a lot of frustrations, I had a lot of disappointments, I had a lot of work kind of piled up and, and everything was just kind of swirling out. I had plans of what I needed to do and, you know, just watch those plans disintegrate in front of me kind of all week long and, and just kind of found myself in a pretty difficult place. And then, and then one morning, um, I came in and on my desk was a, a small little kind of black uh, box and... Uh, and on it, it says, I saw that. And the signature is from God. G-O-D. And had no idea who left it there, had, had no idea kind of what the context was of it. But uh, in the headspace that I was there at that moment, um, somebody reminding me that God saw that uh, kind of came across as like, was this a little passive aggressive? Is this a little bit of a threat? Did I do something? And somebody's like, hey, God saw that. Like, am I getting called out for something? And, and all of a sudden, I was like, did Julia, my wife, leave this for me? Is there a staff person that, you know? So I started making my, uh, my investigative phone calls. And, uh, you know, called my wife like, hey, did you, did you leave something on my desk? She said, no. I had no idea what I was talking about. And, and then I talked to all the staff that I had, and, and nobody else kind of knew where it came from. And, and, and the mystery really never got solved um, that week about who had put this on my desk or what they were reminding me about that God had seen. Uh, but it kind of came across as just this great mystery of maybe just God wanted to let me know he was keeping an eye on me. Don't get too far out of line this week, right? Um, but it comes with that kind of gentle reminder that God is always with us. Now, sometimes that feels like good news, and uh, other times that feels a little bit more difficult. And, uh, and we kind of find ourselves in that space, similar to the disciples um, in the days following the resurrection. Uh, we come to this story at the very last part of the Gospel of John, which chapter 21 is probably my favorite story in all the Bible. And I know I say that about most scriptures that we read. But this particular one, I love the Gospel of John chapter 21 because it reminds me uh, that, that Jesus has a sense of humor. That Jesus loves giving unsolicited fishing advice to professional fishermen who have had a long night catching nothing. It reminds me that Jesus shows up in all of the frustrations and the disappointments. Jesus shows up in moments to where we least expect it. And even in those moments, we will probably not recognize that Jesus is right there in front of us. Telling us that everything is going to be okay. Telling us that what we see as scarcity is about to be flooded with abundance. And we have no idea. It's kind of like Jesus loves the inside joke of just how abundant grace can be. Loves to see the surprise and the shock and the awe on our face when it's suddenly revealed that God is with us even when we didn't recognize him. 
And so the story unfolds, and, and it's kind of a, a later ending to the Gospel of John, one that was uh, probably kind of supplied a little bit later on after more stories were told and uh, conversations were had with the disciples. Uh, it really looks like the Gospel kind of wraps up at the end of chapter 20. Uh, but here comes this next story that's, that's only four paragraphs away from when Jesus showed up in the upper room and breathed the Holy Spirit on the disciples and offered them peace. And uh, it's just three paragraphs away from uh, when, when Jesus appeared a week later after Easter and invited Thomas to touch the wounds on his hand and uh, touch the wound on his side. And yet now we have some undetermined amount of time where the disciples who were sent out with peace and with power from the Holy Spirit that were invited to go and to believe and to tell the story of that belief have now gone out but have gone home. And they've gone back to those same fishing boats and those same nets that they had put down and whether they've these seven disciples from that area have gone back just to collect their thoughts or uh, maybe just to go back to see some family after everything had happened. There, there seems to be a, a, a lack of explanation about exactly what kind is going on in their mind or what's their headspace. But, but Peter just simply states, I'm going fishing. Whether that's filled with some weight or some exasperation of, I'm just going to go fishing. Or whether it's just wrapping up of, hey, I don't have anything to do tonight. It's a great night. We can get some food for the family and for the town. Let's go out and go fishing. But the problem that comes from the text is these professional fishermen uh, have a terrible night. Just throwing nets all night long and catching nothing. Just drawing blanks all night long. And then right about daybreak, there was a man on the shore, and, and this man calls out to the disciples, you haven't caught any fish, have you? You notice Jesus' kind of inside joke is he makes them say, no, we haven't caught any fish. He doesn't say, how's the night going, or anything like that, but, but draws emphasis to the fact that this entire night of fishing has been a failure. And then gives them the, the humbling advice of, well, have you, have you just tried the other side of the boat? And whatever turn of that moment must have been going on in uh, the minds of the disciples, uh, that moment of just changing their behavior in one small way begins this whirlwind of events where all of a sudden what has been coming up empty is now coming up swollen and full. And uh, everything, all the, the nets that have been loose are, are now straining from the fill of fish that's in them. And then uh, John calls out and says, it's the Lord. And, and Peter, who once jumped out to, to walk across the water, this time throws on some clothes and doesn't care and, and jumps out and leaves the six others in the boat to pull the fish in for him because he's so desperate to get to shore to see Jesus. They pull all the fish that's up there. And here's the part of the story that I love more than anything else. It says by the time they get to shore, there's a charcoal fire there with fish already on it. That Jesus who started out this, this conversation about food greets them with food. Do you know how long it takes for wood to burn down to charcoal? longer than the amount of time it takes to jump out of a boat and swim to shore. 
that in the middle of the night, while they were throwing blanks, at some point it's implied that Jesus struck a spark to start that fire, knowing that that meal was coming. And the hope and the hospitality that began to burn there on that fire pit that I'm sure the disciples could have seen on the shore and knew that, that somebody was there but had no idea it was waiting for them. That hope and that hospitality of where they've been so isolated and where they've been so disappointed and frustrated and all those moments they are greeted with Jesus. And they still don't know who He is. They still don't recognize Him with His eyes, but through the sharing of the meal and the breaking of the bread, they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that none of them even need to ask that they know that God is with them. And that seems to change everything. That they go out from these Gospels and they begin a movement of the church that changes the world. They don't write a book about new fishing techniques of the wonders of both sides of the boat when you fish. But they go and they begin to draw into a grace and a hope that changes lives in a way that they've never expected before. Truly fulfilling that prophecy that Jesus spoke over them that they will become fishers of people. That they will become casters of hope and of grace and of life. But just another fullness of the example that God is always with us. And it wasn't until about a week later that I found who left that little sign on my desk. And it was a soldier of mine. Somebody who had never come by the church at all, but had seen it in a shop and had thought about me and bought it Drove all the way down to, they knew that I worked in Alabaster at First United Methodist Church. Googled the address of the church. Came by, pulled up in the parking lot. The doors were locked, but they saw a volunteer going in and out. And they said, hey, can you put this on Arthur's desk? And so it sat. And I only found out when, uh, about a week or two later, uh, they called up and said, hey, did you get that gift that I left you? Uh, somebody was supposed to put it on your desk. And if you had asked me at the beginning of that, I never would have thought that it would have been a comp somebody that not associated with the church, with a soldier, kind of out of the blue. And what I had been taking almost as a, you know, what have I done that God had to keep such so close an eye on me? But the soldier reminded me that there's so many things that go by that we don't notice and we don't see but God sees you and I just wanted to remind you this week and so that's changed my life and so I, I keep it on the the table beside my desk in my office all the time and just think about the miracle of the fact that God is with us and our fears and our failures and our hopes and our successes in all moments and everywhere we will barely ever even recognize that he is there, but we will know because our lives will be changed. Amen and amen. Will you pray with me today? Almighty and gracious God, we give you thanks. Lord, we give you thanks for your grace. Lord, we give you thanks for your mercy. We give you thanks for your presence that you are always with us. Lord, be with us through this week that we might be those who see you on the shore. Lord, who greet us with 
full bellies and with hospitality, and Lord, that we might pass on that greeting and that life and that grace and that hope for others. As we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen.